Hello and welcome to episode 6 of the Vera Shafiq podcast, real and relevant discussions on business, marketing, technology, and digital. I'm your host, Vera Shafiq. It's Tuesday, February the 19th, 2019. Thanks for listening and I hope you enjoy the show. In this episode, I talk with Katie Robert about how we can use machine learning and different types of analytics to manipulate our data and make better marketing decisions. We discuss how you can get started using your data in a smarter way and what mistakes to avoid, and how predictive analytics can streamline your content marketing processes. Uh, Katie Robert is the co-founder and CEO of Trust Insights, which is a data analytics and consulting firm for marketers. She uh, holds a master's degree in marketing and technological information and is a published researcher and a noted public speaker. Welcome to the podcast, Katie. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, my pleasure. Um, So really interesting um, background that you have. Can you tell us a little bit about your backstory and and how you got to where you are right now at Trust Insights? Sure. Um, I'll try to, I'll see if I can do sort of the condensed version. So I actually went to school undergrad for a film degree. Um, which, as you can tell by my current profession, I'm not using. Um, But once I got out of school, the film industry hadn't really moved to Boston yet the way that it is now. So I struggled to find a job, and I was sort of at odds for what I wanted to do. So I started applying for jobs that I felt like I would be good at. Um, You know, I'm really organized. I can sort of, like, run projects and tasks. So I fell into project management, and I did that project management, product management for about 10 years or so, working my up working my way up through the chain. And then I moved on from product management to overseeing a marketing team uh, with, nestled within a PR firm. And that's where I met my co-founder, Christopher Penn. And the three or so years that Chris and I worked together, we really figured out that we had sort of a bigger mission and a bigger value to offer outside of a PR agency. And that's where uh, we decided that Trust Insights would be a good fit. So we left the PR industry about this time last year and created the company that's now Trust Insights. Got it. Okay. And so Trust Insights deals um, specifically with data analytics for marketing companies and marketers. Um, So what is your mission? If you had to sum it up in like an elevator pitch, what is the mission of Trust Insights? We like to say that our mission is that we light up dark data. And so that's sort of the succinct way of saying that we really we want to help marketers do their jobs more effectively and more efficiently. And so most companies are sitting on piles of their own data and they're not really sure what to do with it. And that's where we come in. So we light up that dark data in a way that allows marketers to have more thoughtful insights and actions with their own information. Okay, got it. And then, um, so if a marketer was looking to, you know, light up their dark data, they wanted more insights, they wanted to get more into the machine learning analytics side of things, um, what would they need to do in order to get started with, you know, something that you, you would provide them as a solution? 
The first thing that we would likely do is an audit of their marketing tech stack. So we would take a look at all of the different systems that we, that they were using, uh, primarily Google Analytics or Adobe Analytics, and then whatever supplemental software systems they were using. And we would look at how those systems were set up to make sure that they aligned with the goals that that marketer had within their team, within their company, for their clients. And so we would say, what are your goals? What systems are you using? And then we would start to pick apart are you collecting the right data or do you already have a lot of that data and you're just not using it? Right. And um, I'm guessing that, you know, the quality of the data is, is super important in order to get a good evaluation, you know, and, and to get to, to get on, the, you know, on the right track to, to do this. So do you find that a lot of times um, companies don't really have clean data? And then, you know, the first step is perhaps to clean that data. That's exactly it. So we always start with what's the question you're trying to answer. And you would be surprised at how many people struggle with that sort of simple task of outlining what's the question that you're trying to answer. Mm -hmm. Because you often have many masters that you're serving, so you have a lot of different questions, a lot of different goals. So we try to distill it down um, to a really sort of straightforward, pick one thing, and then we'll sort of break it down from there. And then we'll, we can determine, well, are you collecting the right information? So we do something that we call a KPI mapping exercise. So a KPI is a metric that you can either get promoted or fired for. And then all of the different metrics that you collect should roll up into that one KPI. So we try to help marketers understand what's your KPI and then what metrics do you need to collect on that roll up to and feed into that overall KPI. And then we can start to figure out, do you have the right data or do you have gaps in your data? And if, if you don't have data quality, then we help you fix that. But then we also point you to external sources such as Google Trends or um, other publicly available databases that you can use in the meantime to supplement your own data until you feel more confident. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think you um, you use Google Analytics quite heavily, right? And, and I, I also hear Chris Penn and yourself talking quite a lot about Google Trends being um, mm-hmm. a really useful tool, to, like you just mentioned. Um, is, is, the, is the Google technology stack something that you predominantly use or are there other types of technology, um, obviously, other than the, the programming languages that you would recommend in order to you know, get good data? Uh, the Google ecosystem of software is what we do primar- We do predominantly use Google tools. We find them to be very um, user-friendly, very intuitive, but there are other tools out there such as Adobe Analytics. Um, there are, I believe, some people have started creating other free versions of tools that collect website analytics that try to break it down a little more, a little bit more simply as, uh, from Google analytics. But the reason we like Google is because it's been around for a long time. It's, um, it has a good reputation of being reliable and proven. And there are so many other tools that you can use in conjunction with Google analytics, such as tag manager, search console, Google Data Studio dashboard, AdWords, that all connect really seamlessly to each other. So you're not trying to focus more on interoperability. You're just able to focus on the data itself. Right. Yeah. And um, so with Google Analytics, you know, as you mentioned, since it's it's uh, such a, a useful kind of predominantly used 
platform in terms of when you when you see when you work with clients and see what they're doing with Google Analytics, I'm sure you see a lot of mistakes or kind of gaps in their use of the platform. What would you say would be your top three things that you see that people are not doing correctly with Google Analytics? I think the first thing is not customizing the settings to what your company specifically does. So Google Analytics straight out of the box comes with its stock set of settings. But we always recommend that people go through those settings with a fine-tooth comb in terms of how the data is collected because not every company is the same, so you're not going to need the same settings. Uh, The second thing is not having measurable goals set up. So not every goal is going to look the same for every company. People assume like a form fill or revenue or those types of things are absolutely the goals that you need to collect. But we have some clients that they, they're they a nonprofit, so they're not necessarily looking for more revenue, but they're looking for people to engage with or to watch a video. So make sure that the goals that you're setting up align with the overarching goals of your company. And then the third thing um, that we're seeing not necessarily done properly is making sure that you have those um, auxiliary things set up, such as Search Console, so that you can create a sitemap that is searchable by um Google the search engine and then making sure that tag manager is also set up on your property. Because if you want to track things such as events and downloads and video views and watches and those things, you also need Google tag manager set up correctly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, Google tag manager is just a great tool all around as uh, you know, I definitely agree that um, some, sometimes it's, it's, you know, you've got one thing set up correctly and then, you know, other things are kind of lacking. I also see, um, you know, UTM parameters not being used correctly, et cetera. So there's, there's a lot of stuff mm-hmm. that, yeah, that makes sense. Would you say predictive analytics is is the main core of what you work towards or what other kinds of analytics do you provide your clients So we do a couple of different types of things. So predictive analytics is one of those things. We do a lot with foundational analytics. So if you think about analytics as a hierarchy, you have to start with that foundation, which is your um, quantitative data. It's that what happened, and that's your website traffic, that's your social media data, uh, it's your CRM data. It's any sort of numerical value that's going to tell you what happened. Mm -hmm. Um, Then we work within the next rung, which is that qualitative data, um, which really tells you why did it happen. So that's your market research, your surveys, you move on to prescriptive analytics, which is heavier machine learning. Um, and so we work with, um, we do the foundational work. We help you fix up what you have going on in terms of data collection. We help you with that qualitative. We help you understand why. And we do something that's called topic modeling. So we can take, um, large chunks of qualitative data and start to extract here are the topics and trends that are most predominantly used uh, within these conversations so that you can know like what is what are my customers primarily complaining about or what are they asking for so you can start to uh, do that in a more automated way versus going through those call records one by one and then we move on to predictive analytics which is what should I be doing next based on the trends specifically for me or the trends that I see within the behaviors of my audience. Right and um, one application that I, I can really see this being useful for is companies that have seasonal business, which I, I know a lot of companies do. Um, can you give an example of potentially uh, 
how, you know, there may be a business that, that, that knows that it has seasonality, but really needs a little bit more direction into what to expect. Um, how can predictive analytics help them? Can it help them? Absolutely. And that's a really great point. So we're not saying that predictive analytics is going to tell you things that you don't know. And so I think that you bringing up the seasonality is, you know, really on point because companies know the behaviors of their audience. They know the seasonality, but what they might not know is down to the day or the hour or the week of when certain things are going to happen. So with the predictive analysis, what we're able to provide is that supplemental information so that they can be a little bit more on point. So if you take the weight loss industry, for example, you know that there's seasonality based on where you are in the country and where you are in the time of year in terms of, you know, you have the holidays, you have summer beach bodies and spring breaks and, you know, those New Year's resolutions. You know that all of those things are going to happen, but being able to drill down with specific keywords that are being searched on or specific topics that people want to know more about is where predictive analysis can really supplement what you already know about your industry. And then you can create content or create ads or optimize your own uh, SEO so that you're really hitting people on those exact times that they're looking for what you have. Right. And I'm guessing that you can also tailor your content to whatever, you know, trends that you've seen in terms of if you know specifically people are looking for, you know, how to get a beach bod, you can make sure that you have that those blog posts and that content ready to go for the period of time when people are searching for, for those terms. That's exactly it. And that is always our recommendation is the reason you would use a predictive analysis is so that you can get ahead of it instead of being so reactive with your marketing. Mm -hmm. And so that way you're not sitting at your desk on Monday morning and your boss is saying, everybody's looking for how to get a beach body. Why don't we have any content? Well, because you're so smart and you used a predictive analysis, you created that content three weeks ago and it's going live today. So you can just sit back and drink your coffee and Mm -hmm. say, it's already done. Right, right. No, that's awesome. So, um, yeah, definitely very powerful. And, you know, AI and machine learning has just become the, the big buzzword, really. And, and it's, it's mm-hmm. something that, you know, you're reading about. We see it all the time. And I think a lot of people are a little perplexed still in terms of understanding, okay, well, yeah, AI, machine learning is the, the next big frontier, but how do I use it to my, to my benefit? And so I think, you know, what you guys do, I think, really does uh, help you know, put put it to use in, in a very kind of business-minded way. In terms of your relationship, I know you, your co-founder is Chris Penn, who, you know, I listen to the Marketing Over Coffee podcast weekly, and uh, <laughs> I'm addicted to that. That was probably the very first one that I actually ever listened to, and I've been a fan of it ever since. So Chris Penn is, is just super, super um, knowledgeable about this. And, you know, when I hear him talk, sometimes the stuff just goes right over my head. In fact, a lot of the time it does. Um, <laughs> are you you also, and me both. <laughs> oh, really? Well, I was going to ask you, actually. So are you are you just as geeky as him? I mean, do you do you get involved in like the R programming or the Python or, you know, all that stuff? Or are you more kind of top level strategic? And is he more kind of roll up his sleeves and, and get geek out and all, all that stuff? He, you know, it's, it's funny. Um, I think it depends on the thing. So he is definitely more in the weeds with how to create the thing than I am. And I'm more focused on how to sell the thing, how to communicate the thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm always fascinated 
as much as he is with what's the great new technology? What can we do with this? How can we use it to improve the lives of marketers and make their jobs more efficient? But he is definitely the one who is inventing and creating and learning and then sharing with me, here's the, here's the next new thing. So uh, we found that it's actually a really good dynamic because I'm not trying to tell him what to create. I'm just asking him, well, what the heck did you create? Mm-hmm. And try to figure out how to make it something that's tangible and approachable for marketers. And I think, honestly, that's one of the biggest challenges that we have, uh, me, myself and Chris, is we know all these really cool things to do, but how do we distill it down so that it's not just a buzzword or one more thing that marketers have to do? How can we help educate them about small, simple, easy ways to start to integrate that into their daily workflow? And that's a big challenge. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think another challenge is that um, companies uh, within their teams don't have enough expertise for, you know, asking the right questions. Um, A lot of marketing teams don't have anyone who's very, um, I guess, technical or analytic minded, doesn't really understand data, definitely doesn't understand machine learning. So do you see that being an issue within companies in terms of the talent and the, and, you know, what do you think the solution is in terms of hiring the analytics talent? You're absolutely right. That is probably the number one problem that we see. So if you think about sort of the way that companies are comprised, you have the people, you have the process and you have the platforms. And so you know, the platform piece of it is actually fairly straightforward to resolve, but it's the process and the people that becomes the biggest challenge because without those two key ingredients, the platform doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you're collecting if you don't have people who can analyze it or you don't have a consistent process to collect the same data and analyze it the same way. So, you know, what we recommend is uh, we is sort of starting with that education of, what don't I know? So if you want to know more about Google Analytics, well, Google has really great training courses. And I was actually going through them myself last week. And they used to be really cumbersome and time-consuming courses. And I feel like they've done a really great job of distilling down the information into small bite-sized pieces. And I think that that's really sort of what one of the barriers is, is people feel like they just don't have enough time. So I would say start by reading a blog, start by listening to a podcast during your commute or during your workout. You know, I listen to a lot of podcasts when I'm walking my dogs and sort of that's how I sort of stay caught up. Um, You know, subscribe to newsletters that are curating a lot of that content for you so that you're not trying to, you know, hunt and peck for where that information lives. Um, you know, obviously I would say our newsletter is great, but Chris Penn's personal newsletter is a really great resource for what you need to know about AI and machine learning. Um, and so it's really just a matter of people being curious and being willing to start to educate themselves. Um, you know, we don't see a lot of companies at this point being willing to invest in a lot of that education, or if they do say that they want to, they just don't even know where to start. So it's really on that individual to say, these are the things that I want to know more about. Yeah, no, that's great advice. Uh, I think, I think that's definitely something that, um, companies need to work a little bit harder at because like you said, there's so much data out there and just using it correctly is, is where, you know, we need, we need those smart minds working towards that. 
Um, and then I was actually reading an article this morning um, talking about how, you know, schools are probably not treat, uh, you know, teaching their kids about analytics and machine learning and, and you know, not, not providing opportunities for our children to, to, to understand this because it is the next frontier, you know, in, in uh, many businesses. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think that, um, you know, it needs to be pushed a little harder? It needs to be kind of brought to light a little bit more and kids should be encouraged to, to, to learn these things, specifically women versus men, because it looks very skewed when, when you when you read about it that, um, you know, girls, girls definitely do not take computer science um, as much as boys do. And it kind of, I guess you, you see that in conferences and you see that when you go out to businesses, it, it, it seems. Do you think it's a, ma- a predominantly male uh, oriented profession or topic? Well, so let me take your question in two parts. So the Mm -hmm. first question was around the education, and you're absolutely right. So Chris and I were talking about that this morning on our own Trust Insights podcast, In-Ear Insights, and we were talking about charts and graphs. So we were talking about the visualization and storytelling of data, and we realized that there's really no good education around the basics of putting data together or analyzing data in such a way that you can then communicate it. So we, I a hundred percent agree that that is something that we need to be doing a better job of. Um, obviously I've been out of school for, you know, a hot minute, so Mm -hmm. I don't really know what the, (laughs) what the curriculum looks like, but from what I remember, um, you know, I wasn't being taught necessarily how to put together, a bar chart or a pie chart or, you know, a line graph, and then also what it means and what kind of data you should be putting into those and that each one has its own specific purpose. So I absolutely feel like that's a deficit in education um, at all levels. You know, I was in grad school, as you mentioned, and I didn't learn that there either. I, I remember I sort of had this mini meltdown after my statistics professor was like, you need to build a chart around this data. And I said, can you show me how? And he's mm-hmm. like, no, you should know that already. And I just, it, I remember it took me so long to figure out how to build a simple bar chart. And it was just one of those maddening experiences of why don't I know this? Or where was the education to teach me this one thing that I needed to know going into grad school? Right. Um, and so the second part, you know, I feel like there's more of an f- emphasis on STEM programs, but I feel like those STEM programs are living outside of a general school curriculum. And so children and adults are needing to seek them out on their own time. And, you know, as we were talking about, people just don't have that kind of time. And I think that that is part of the problem of that education where it's an auxiliary piece of education. It's not part of the core curriculum. So if it's not the core curriculum, are people making the time to learn the STEM? And then the third question around men versus women, Mm -hmm. it is still a predominantly male field if you look at the speaking circuit or you look at the data scientists. That's not to say that there aren't women and it's not, there's not a movement towards it towards being more uh, balanced in terms of men versus women. And I think that we're starting to get there, but this is, this is probably not the best way to put it, but basically what it boils down to from my perspective, man versus woman, it doesn't matter. Is the person competent? So filling up a panel with more women doesn't necessarily solve the problem if they can't speak to the topic. Now, 
there's a lot of, you know, men out there who, you know, maybe aren't the best to speak to the topic. There's a lot of women, but ultimately it should be who is the best to represent the information. And yes, we should in general do a better job of having a more diverse representation on those panels and in those jobs. And, you know, there's just no good solution to that. It's something that Chris and I talk about quite a bit. Um, and we just, you know, it, it's a, it's a bigger systemic problem that, you know, I could probably ramble about for Mm -hmm. days. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, so Yeah, you mentioned just in that conversation that you uh, co-host a podcast yourself. So that you mentioned that it was in Ear Insights. Um, How did you get started with that? And is that specific? I haven't listened to that one. That's one I gotta I gotta get onto. Um, How did you get started? And what kind of topics do you cover in that podcast? Um, so that podcast is myself and Chris, my co-founder. So Mm -hmm. as you mentioned, Chris has been co-hosting marketing over coffee for about a decade. Mm -hmm. And when Chris and I built trust insights, we thought about the different properties that we wanted to have. And for us, a podcast seemed like a really natural fit because Chris approaches things from a very technological, uh, AI machine learning side, and I approach it more from a customer centric human side. And so we feel like we have a really good conversation about specific topics. Um, what, what should come as a surprise to nobody is that we actually use a predictive content calendar to determine what topics we want to talk about. So what we've done is we've put in all of the different keywords that we want to be known for at trust insights. We put that into our predictive algorithm and came out with a content calendar. So we use that predictive content calendar. We talked about visualization because that was a, that was a topic that was about to start trending. And that's where we decided to take, uh, that particular episode. Got it. Got it. Um, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, so yeah. Do you, what do you enjoy about podcasting? Do you, do you like doing it? I, you know, I really enjoy it. When I was in high school, I actually hosted a radio show, um, through the, our local, our high school had a radio station built in. And then I did the same when I was in college. So I've always enjoyed being behind the microphone, uh, not necessarily on stage, but I've always enjoyed, you know, having conversations about topics, topics that I care about. Um, and I just, I really like the more free flowing form of a podcast versus a blog post. Like we do blogs obviously, but I really like the conversational side of a podcast. Yeah, yeah, me too. I think it's a great medium. And, you know, I I thought this would be a perfect medium for me to get into because it's it breaks down barriers between people and it gets you to kind of talk from the heart. And it's just easier to, to convey messages, I think. Katie, let's um, let, let our listeners know where best uh, you, they can connect with you if they want to learn more about machine learning and AI or if they just want to, you know, ask questions or learn more about Trust Insights? Absolutely. So our website is trustinsights.ai, as in artificial intelligence. Um, You can connect with us on social media platforms. We're generally at Trust Insights. If you want to connect, connect with me personally on social media, I am at Katie Robert. That's Robert with two Bs. Trust me, there's a lot of uh, debate in the family about how to pronounce the last name. Um, (laughs) Apparently, I get it right only half the time. Um, 
And so I'm at Katie Robert. And then we actually have a free Slack group. We're building a community uh, for marketers who want to talk about and learn more about analytics. And you can find that um, at trustinsights.ai slash analytics for marketers. And that's hosted by myself and Chris Penn. Awesome. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Having, uh, that's, that's a great idea to use Slack to kind of get the, get the conversation flowing. Awesome. Um, so since we have a little bit of time left, um, I always like to kind of ask some fun questions at the end of the podcast. So would you be up for a couple of uh, fun questions? Of course. <laughs> All right. So what is a guilty pleasure that you indulge in? Oh, uh, anything and everything Britney Spears. I love her. Oh, really? Um, <laughs> there's, you know, it, I, I didn't grow up listening to her. I was a little bit older when she came out, but there's something about her story and her perseverance and then just the, the charisma and magnetism that she has that, you know, you can't not love her and God damn it. Her music <laughs> is so catchy. You know, so yeah, yeah, I think Britney Spears is definitely uh, one of my guilty pleasures. Oh, that's awesome. Um, All right. Something about you that not many people know. Um, I hate social media. (laughs) And I know that that sort of contradicts being uh, a marketer in the digital space, but I'm actually a really private person. And so I sort of have that, that duality of here's my public persona. You can find me on Twitter or you can find me on LinkedIn, but then I like to really keep that privacy for myself, for myself and my husband and my family of, um, anything that's shared about us. So I actually don't really share that much about myself personally on social media channels. You might see pictures of my dogs, mm-hmm. um, but that's usually about it. Yeah, no, that's super interesting. I, I'm actually very much like that too. Um, yeah, I think I think to keep your sanity, you have to draw those boundaries with social media and say, "Here's my public persona, here's my private persona," and really safely protect that private uh, version of you. If you were not doing what you're doing now, if you were not heavily involved in analytics and you know the running the company, um, what would you be doing? You know, that's such a great question. So is this sort of like my hopes and dreams that I have had since a little kid, or is it just more of a practical, what other kind of job would you be doing kind of a question? Um, maybe both. Uh, you know, what, what was your dream as a kid? Like, what did you want to do when you grew up, as it were? Um, you know, I wanted to be the lead singer of a band. Really? Um, yeah, but you know the irony there is number one, I can't sing, and number two, <laughs> I hate being on stage. So it was definitely one of those like weird, um, not quite on point goals as a kid. But you know, I I just loved something about you know that public persona, and I think now that I'm involved with Trust Insights, I get to live out a little bit of that fantasy where I can be on stage talking about things that I'm passionate about. Yeah. Um, if I weren't involved in trust insights, you know, I honestly don't know, you know, I've always been someone who has always felt a little bit lost in their career. And, you know, I've always been working towards something, but until we really, uh, developed trust insights, I didn't really know what that was. And then it all kind of clicked when, uh, we started this company. And so if I weren't in data and analytics, I would probably still be doing something around, um, product management, um, or project management. 
Right. Yeah, probably. Okay. That's awesome. Well, I just want to thank you so much, Katie, for um, being here today and uh, chatting with me. Definitely uh, hope to keep up with you online. Stay connected. Yeah. Thank you so much. This has been fun. Well, that's it for today, folks. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did like what you heard, please subscribe to catch more episodes, and I'd really appreciate it if you left me a review and shared with your friends and colleagues. Visit my website at virashafiq.com, connect with me on LinkedIn, or send me an email. I'd love to hear from you. Until next time, 